Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual, my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we jump to it to pack for our trip and pilot our wings through the odd shapes of the App Store. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good, making my way through those odd shapes of the App Store, and uh, my bags are packed, so I'm ready to go. And we'll start in our usual place of Apple News, and there's a few different areas of interest. The first one is that the Apple Watch is likely going to be refreshed, and the third version is going to have an LTE chip. It's likely going to resemble the style, the outward appearance of the second version, but the LTE chip should allow it to be a standalone device and not hampered by that connection, that constant connection to the iPhone. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, in for multiple reasons. First off, because you know that LTE chip is going to eat away some of the battery life. And one of the complaints that people have about the Apple Watch is that limited battery life that it has compared to some of the other option other offerings which may be not as good, but some people just prefer that battery life. But they're going to have to do something. If they add this LTE chip in to increase that battery life uh, to offset the new drain that that's going to cause. Yeah, and I guess that means they've been working on the battery this entire past year since they released the second edition. Because it's not like the second version was like, oh, here, now you can last twice as long as the first version. They didn't really mention it as much. They're just that same all-day battery life that you come to expect. Right, yeah, they blew it. They blew over it, and who knows? Maybe they'll do the same for this. Just say it has that all-day battery life that you come to know and love. So, uh, but it is going to be a concern. So, obviously, they're going to have to do something about that. The other thing that that LTE chip does offer is the ability not to necessarily be reliant on your iPhone. You could go out running. You could do something. Leave that iPhone at home. The question is, if you get calls on that new watch. They have to have a way to mirror your phone number or something because you're not going to have a separate phone number for your for your watch. So I don't know that that'll be interesting. The all these little details are going to have to come out when when this is announced. Yeah, is it going to have its own standalone kind of subscription like the iPad LTE models, or is it going to piggyback off of your iPhone, or how are they going to do it? I can't imagine someone's going to pay a whole separate LTE fee for their watch because the majority of the time you're going to have your phone with you, wouldn't you? I, I don't know. Yeah. So those few times, it has to use something where you're already paying money for your iPhone. Right, right. But we'll find out more, I'm sure, as we get closer to the beginning of September. And then the iPhone 8 made an appearance in a McDonald's ad in Australia. So it's just a render, though it looks very, very possible as that's going to be the final thing that comes out. And it's pretty interesting because it's that whole bezel-less idea. And there's just a little piece at the top for the microphone input. And then it's screened the rest of the way. So the status bar kind of wraps around where that mic input is. And then the home button's gone on the bottom. So it's going to be pretty much all screen as predicted. And its I don't know if it's a mistake or McDonald's found some high-resolution assets that were from some like third-party mock-up, but it looks pretty authentic. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I hadn't seen this until you mentioned it, and it does look pretty authentic. I mean, it looks like what we've been seeing the rumors are going to be. So I don't know. Maybe they just they're whoever whoever did this stuff for them decided to take a chance, go out and mock it up on the on an iPhone eight, thinking then they wouldn't have to change it. I don't know, but it does. It definitely does look authentic. Yep. So again, likely September sixth. Likely like a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. So get that money ready. <laughs> <laughs> get that second and, job at McDonald's. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then to wrap up the Apple news is more and more signs are pointing towards a 4K Apple TV also coming in the fall. There's the new Voodoo app that just launched, I think, today for the Apple TV with the backend code links to 4K options. And then Apple's HomePod has the same kind of 4K Apple TV code string. So it seems like a very likely possibility that's coming as well. Yeah, I mean, this seems like it should have already happened, especially where they have so many competitors out there that already start to support 4K content that they really are are lagging behind at this point. And there's enough of an influx of 4K TVs out there that people are looking for 4K content. So it just makes sense. I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, uh, but I'm sure we're going to see this very soon. And so, again, mark your calendars, September 6th, most likely. The events invites are should be coming any day by now, if that's actually <laughs> indeed the day. Even if it's not, it's a week later. And so now you have a good idea of what to expect for that event. And again, there's going to be apps and games you can play in the meantime to hold your attention until then. And the first app this week is called Packer. It's spelled P-A-C-K-R, so they drop that E at the end. And it's a packing list app that tries to offer a little automation and convenience when setting it up. So you begin the app by creating a trip, like say you know the location you're going to and what days you're going to spend there. And so you input that, and then you also can input what activities you might do there. So say you're going on a trip to Hawaii next week or a month from now, whatever. You can put in that you want to be surfing and that you want to bring your camera equipment. And so it preloads suggestions of what you want to add to your packing list to make it that much easier. And then also your sets of clothes are going to be dependent on how many days. So if you're going to be there you know, for a week, it's going to suggest seven different pairs of socks and pairs of underwear and shirts and pants. So you can make it that much easier to get set up. Yeah, I love how they, they've organized the app. It makes it really intuitive of how you would think about your trip because you would normally think, oh, well, I'm going to be there X number of days, and it just kind of takes you through these steps, and then you start thinking about, well, what am I going to do there? What do I need? And it's nice that they have these kind of pre-populated lists of the type of things you would need depending on the activities you're planning to do. And I previously used an app called uh, Packing Pro, and it's very similar style. That's a paid app. This one is uh, free, except you can pay for a premium version with some extra features. But it's nice to have that free option. And I almost kind of like the layout. This almost seems a little bit cleaner than than Packing Pro and a little bit more modern. Um but it's it's really super easy to use, and you can customize it. You're not tied to these uh, particular 
activities and things that they have in there, you can customize it to what you really need. So maybe this is something you tend to do often where you can customize it to what you know you actually need that may or may not match that list that they have in there. So then the next time around, you'll have the exact stuff that you know that you need. And it's just a super simple, easy way to not forget critical stuff as you're frantically packing for whatever your next trip is. Right. And they maintain that minimalistic idea throughout the entirety of the app. So once you select the beginning options, like you can decide if you're going to be staying with friends and family or hotel, and then is your transportation mainly going to be by car or train? And just if you need only kind of the essentials or you need more complex items. So you get that selecting out of the way. And then it's essential you don't have to manually create your packing list like quite a few other apps. It's pre-populated, so then you're just tapping checkboxes to kind of confirm that you've indeed packed these items, and then you can skip over things that it suggests that aren't really relevant to you. So you're just constantly in that process of packing something, marking it off, and then maybe getting reminders of stuff that you may have forgot otherwise. Right. Yeah, it couldn't be easier. And as I mentioned, it, it is free. The The premium version of it, which is separate for $1.99, gives you the ability to like sync your list across devices. And I think it also lets you print out your list if you're someone who likes to have that hard copy to manually check off things. Or maybe you want to distribute the list to other people so they each have their own section of the list to pack. But for free, I mean, I'm definitely going to be trying this out on my next trip uh, to to use this one instead of Packing Pro, which I had been using. And so that's Packer, P-A-C-K-R. It's free. It's universal. That means it's time for some new games. So let's jump to it with Super Phantom Cat 2, which the original came out last year or the year before. It delivered that classic platformer style. It was built mainly on... Super Mario Bros. 3, a lot of those elements were present. And so Super Phantom Cat 2 maintains that retro platformer-inspired idea, but they introduce new mechanics so you can activate different special abilities for sets of levels. So you have a ability where you can throw a flower at the wall, and it creates a vine, so now you can climb straight up a wall on that vine. Or then you can rapidly blink through an area so you can pass through walls or different blocks to get to a new area and they build upon those special mechanics and the levels are designed to challenge you by incorporating those new mechanics while still maintaining the classic idea of jumping between platformers hopping on enemy heads trying to collect stars and coins yeah i really like the new mechanics i think it adds a lot more variety to the game and it gives you and then you also have these other heroes you can unlock which allow you to change up the the look of your your character but it, it allows them to create some much more like more interesting level design just because now you have these other elements that the 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 character can fire off like you said that tree that grows up the side so now you have maybe you might have already started to move through the level going to the right, and all of a sudden you pick up that ability to grow vines, but you start to think, wait a minute, there was an area way back at the beginning before I picked this up that I couldn't reach. Should I go back there and check it out? Maybe it's a hidden area. And then you travel back, and then so it gets you thinking about the level and thinking about other areas that you might want to try to access that are beyond just like your normal jumping and jumping on characters to knock them out and collecting the stars. So it... uh it's a it makes for a much more interesting experience. Yeah. And that's really what you need with the sequel because 
the original was highly familiar because it was so based on the past. So if you just introduce more levels in that same style, it becomes even more redundant. So they really need to spice it up. And they've done a good job because the mechanics are familiar to a lot of people who play any kind of games. That classic platformer style has been played by millions of people. And so now you want to build upon it and kind of make it your own. So you have that familiar base that personality style of playing as a cat as your main character and now they've introduced new unlockable heroes that give that more kind of aesthetic change but then the core gameplay changes even more with all these different special powers and then you have three kind of objectives per level there's going to be a special skill checkpoint or like a mission and then there's going to be a hidden treasure chest and then of course there's that one star to find so you do have some replayability factor for the given levels if you don't get that special skill tree or if you don't find that hidden treasure chest right and then you also have those side quests as well that you can go on that you unlock those and they're kind of they really change things up so they have different rules like maybe the one of the ones i unlocked you were jumping on these these characters heads and when you jump on them you kind of bounce the only rule was you couldn't run into any of these guys so you really had to time your jump so you didn't end up landing on the platform with them and accidentally bumping into them so it was a whole new way to to look at the level and how you had to navigate it rather than what the normal your how you would normally play through the level the only thing that this one had compared to the first one that kind of irked me a bit was it is a free-to-play game compared to the original which was a paid game so it has this energy meter system which going through the normal levels i didn't really notice it but when i tried like these quests which really change things up and you tend to fail them because it's not what you're used to then i end up running into the thing where I used up all the energy meter and then I had to wait 10 minutes for the next one to charge up. And so it was a bit frustrating rather than the first one where you didn't have these limitations to just play as much as you wanted. I don't know if you ran into it at all. Yeah, the energy meter, the free-to-play system is fine when it comes to, you know, the cosmetic changing of your hero or anything like that. But when it comes to actual gameplay, like it limits you with the energy meter... I found it when I played that special mission where you're trying to bounce on the enemy's heads and not scare them away when you land on the platform. And if you lose, that causes an energy, so you want to replay it. And if you you know do that three times and you already played two regular levels, you now have to wait 15 minutes or try to unlock you know, the more energy lives with the diamonds, which are the hard currency in the game. And then they also use the hard currency to tie into getting elixirs to replenish health as well as balloons in case you fall and you know to your death you can have a balloon and replenish yourself back in the level and there's more unlockables as you go all tied into trying you to spend money and the ones that are tied to the gameplay those always kind of deter the overall enjoyment of the game yeah yeah totally agree i, I mean i i i get it that things are shifting to the free to play and people think that they make more money on the free to play and maybe they do but uh, sometimes it's just a better experience when you can just pay that one time and just plays however you want. And that's Super Phantom Cat 2. It's free. It's universal. If you like any kind of those platformer games from the past, the sequel maintains the style of the original. It's a standalone experience. You don't need to play the first one. And it just is that classic style available on iOS. Yep. And then there's Peace Out, which is peace like a P-I-E-C-E. -E. 
and it comes from the makers of Duet, as well as Beans Quest, and quite a few other well-known games. This is kind of different from their usual style. It's a slow, kind of methodical puzzle game where you have to figure out the right sequence to move pieces as well as rotate and flip pieces around to get one target piece to the end. So, you know, at the very outset, you have this little tiny red square that you need to move to the final, like, highlighted red square, but there's this green triangular piece in the way, and you need to rotate that around to clear the path for you to go forward. And as the levels go on, there's going to be pieces that you need to rotate, ones that you flip on their axis, either on the x-axis or the y-axis, and then they're going to merge them all together. So you have pieces that you need to rotate, you need to slide, and then you need to flip and flop all together, and that creates the path forward. So you have all kinds of different puzzle elements based on the core elements of flipping, flopping, and rotating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love how they build it up in this game. So it's pretty straightforward at the beginning, and and you'll start to move. But then it gets more and more complex as you go, because there'll be maybe more than one piece you have to move to a destination location. And then there'll be, as you, uh, like, probably three or four pages in, it starts to add pieces where as soon as they're free, so, like, they have free space on so on the piece it shows a couple of arrows on it and as soon as there's free space in the direction of the arrow it's going to move so that piece is just going to start sliding on its own to fill up the free space so you really have to plan out your moves in those levels to not give that thing room to move until you want it to move so they do a really nice job of slowly introducing new elements and then having them you you learn these base core elements and then now there's something new that's going to add a new twist and a new challenge to it and it makes you want to progress to the next level to the next page of levels because you're just wondering what new thing are they going to add and it's just so many puzzles in here for free that you just can keep on playing and playing and playing unlike super phantom cat 2 where i was delayed when i was delayed on that i popped over to here and i started playing more and more puzzles because there was nothing to stop me and you finish that one you're like oh i want to see what's next i just want to finish this page and you start to go through and it's just a really interesting like brain burning type puzzle some of them are easy but then others are really require a lot of trial and error until you get it right and there's over 700 puzzles included and then they have just those nice convenient features you hope for in a puzzle game. There's the single undo, so if you make a mistake or you might need to backtrack a few moves, you can just click the undo button to slide the pieces back and that might help you kind of figure out the proper orientation and sequence that you need. And then there's a hint system in case you ever do get completely stumped. But also all the levels are unlocked on a given page, so you don't have to play them in order. Like, if you're completely stumped on one level, you can go to a different one on a given page. So you always have that full page of levels to play. Yeah, they always give you at least a few. Sometimes you have to watch an ad to unlock a few more, but there's always some available. And I give them huge kudos for not... Uh, charging for hints and not charging for those undos because there are a lot of puzzle games that are free to play out there where they have like a credit system where you have a limited number of undos and then they make you buy more of these credits to have undos. 
I am so happy they didn't go that route because there are times we just you get you go down a whole path and you realize I shouldn't have done that. And you maybe have to undo four or five moves. And if I had to go through a whole bunch of these credits, it would be so frustrating and I'd probably just never come back to this thing. So I am really happy that they they did not go that kind of greedy route or try to monetize every little aspect of the game. And instead, they just have you pay. If you want, you can pay 99 cents. It unlocks all the levels all at once. And then you also remove all the ads and you can support them that way. And I think that's a, an amazing thing. I, I don't know how much money they're making from it. I hope they're doing well. But that is an amazing way to monetize the game. Yeah, they don't nickel and dime you, and then it lets you fully enjoy the brain teasers that they've created that build upon themselves, and it's that whole minimalistic style where it's a flat 2D design, you have the game board at the center of the screen and the different colored pieces, and then it's up to you to slide them, because each piece, you know, can only be slid in certain directions, so one might only be able to go up and down, another can only go left and right, and then that is also combined with the flipping and rotating and then pieces can't rotate off the board so you also have that to deal with and they've just done such an excellent job like you said of having things build upon itself so you always want to keep playing through all of the included levels yeah yeah and, and you will get to points where you can no longer rotate a piece and you are stuck and you're going to have to undo and so it's good that that's free that you can go and do that but I am. This is totally different from everything else they put out. I was I was surprised when I found out that it was uh, what is it? Cumulus, uh, cum, yeah. cum, cumobius. Uh, the the it was them that put it out because it didn't even look like anything they had done before. And but it's it's excellent. It's really really good. Yep, and that's peace out. It's free. It's universal. And then there's War Wings which comes from Miniclip, and it delivers 3D aerial combat with classic-styled planes, and it's kind of as you would expect. You have, you know, you're going to have the classic plane, and your goal is to shoot down enemies. You have that full 360-degree range of movement, so you can fly any which way you want, and then they've made it relatively simple by just giving you a joystick, so you just pilot it as you would want, and then you can swipe up and down to kind of flip completely over or you can swipe left and right to do a barrel roll to try to avoid enemy attacks and everything's set up into online multiplayer battles where you're going head to head with other players and trying to shoot down the most planes and not be shot down yourself right yeah so it's like a big four on four battle and you're going around you do have a, you can respawn if you're shot down you have a boost that you can use to also try to get away and between games you can go and upgrade your your plane so you can increase its its armor on there you can add bombs to it you can do all kinds of stuff you you unlock you pay and unlock an a initial plane and then that's kind of the one you're stuck with until you grind enough and go through uh, enough of these missions and there's, so there's like these three goals as you're playing through the online uh multiplayer and as you complete those, you get rewards for those. And they also have daily rewards. And you can eventually grind enough to purchase new upgrades. And eventually, I still haven't hit this yet, you can unlock the next tier of planes. And one of the things that kind of frustrated me was 
in order to unlock another a whole different mode, you have to go up to that next level of plane. And it's going to require quite a bit, unless you want to spend real money, quite a bit of grinding in order to get enough funds because they have multiple different currencies in this game in order to unlock the the next level of plane in order to unlock that new mode as well. Yeah. The one problem for me beyond the grinding to upgrade was that the gameplay didn't really change. Once you got the basics down, each game kind of played the same. It was like Titanfall Assault in that regard where it's neat. You have this setup that is relatively well done, but then after a few of these online matches, it's like, okay, I've played the game. There's like no stepping stone to a different type of way to play. It's just the same game with different opponents, maybe a different plane, but you still have the same capabilities. It just changes your speed and maneuverability. Right, because you're in the, like, at least with Titanfall, there are other maps. We just didn't, for some reason, see them because I've seen them in the trailer. This, there's really nothing else they can do. Like, unless they start putting tall buildings in your way, (laughs) like, you're not going to be doing anything but flying around and trying to shoot the other planes that are flying around. There's not really anything else they can do to change it unless there are other obstacles that are in your way. But even then, it's really not that different. You're right. It's going to be pretty much the same thing over and over again. I don't know how much the different planes change it up because I haven't gotten another one yet. But I got to imagine it's not going to be that different. So the longevity of this, especially where I think it's like a gig of space on my device – I don't think it's going to stay very long on my on on here just because it's just going to I'm going to lose interest quickly because there's not a lot going on. And it doesn't really distinguish itself from all those other 3D aerial combat games on the App Store. There's a ton that you know, it doesn't even matter which year you go to, whether it was released this year, last year, or the year before. They all kind of have that same 3D modeling engine to depict the battles and they have a similar control setup and they play relatively the same where another one in that line that doesn't really do anything to distinguish itself it's going to be tough like you said to stay on the device right what was that sid meyer's one that, that we that we played before that, Ace that Pilot one, it, one where it was yeah like a that one was game? so it was so much more interesting because things changed and things like I know you weren't doing like the direct aerial combat, but it was a lot more interesting because there was a lot more variety going on rather than uh, Ace Patrol. Uh, Ace Patrol is yeah. what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. I thought that was just so much more interesting than this was and it that i wanted to go back i wanted to continue on and see if i could complete these missions where this it's just shoot down five enemies and okay maybe i, I want to come back and try to shoot down five enemies without getting killed more than two times but once i accomplish that do i really feel the need to come back probably not yeah this game kind of would have benefited with some kind of single player campaign where you have specific missions, because they kind of hint at it where you go on a bombing run on a battleship or one where you have to protect certain planes. But when you're in that four versus four PvP mode, that kind of all goes by the wayside and it's just pure dogfighting. So that's, you know, they kind of hinted at it, but I couldn't find actually ways to play that. 
Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find it. The only thing I could find were those goals, but you're still entering that same uh, that same four four v four mode. The only other mode it listed because you could choose random. It said you need that tier one plane or tier two plane, whatever it was, whatever I didn't have, and. <laughs> I couldn't get into that one. So Yeah, I only I, saw that I, league I, mode where it seemed like it was just competitive, you know, global leaderboard kind of matches rather than free for all. Yeah, yeah. But that is War Wings. It's free, it's universal, it's another choice out there that isn't Sky Gamblers or something like that. But again, it doesn't do that much to distinguish itself. Yeah, and then one and yeah, that was free. And one last one I wanted to mention because I love to mention the digital board games is Bottom of the Ninth, which comes from Handelabra, who did the uh, digital port of Sentinels of the Multiverse. And now this is a greater than game slash dice hate me games dice rolling baseball game. And so basically the setup is. You are the home team and you've or you I guess you could be the visiting team, but it's the bottom of the ninth inning. You're the home team's up at bat. They basically have to score one run to win the game. The game is tied. They only have to score one run. The visiting team, which is pitching, they just have to stop the home team from scoring. If they can get three outs, then they win the game. So, well, then it goes into extra innings, but you don't play those. But basically the goal is to keep that home team from winning if you're the visiting pitching team or the home team needs to score. And so it's all done via this dice rolling mechanic and so it starts off with the stare down where the pitching team is trying to decide uh how they're going to throw the pitch so are they going to throw it high and away or are they going to throw it low and inside like they can do any combination of those two things and the batter has to try to guess how the pitch is going to come to them so say the pitcher throws high and away and the the batter matches them on high but then says it's going to be high and inside so now they only matched on one so on each of the batter and the pitcher depending on how many of those elements they match with one another any of the matches go to the batter and now the batter gets like special abilities to manipulate the dice or the pitcher gets special uh, abilities to manipulate their dice. So what happens is the pitcher rolls two dice. One is a die that has either a strike, ball, or corner on it. And then on the other die, it's a normal six-sided die, which rolls a number. And when they roll, if they roll a ball, they want to try to get a low number on the other one. If they roll a strike, they want to try to get a high number. And if they roll a corner, it doesn't really matter. They want to get some number on there. So then what happens is on the, the, the batter, they're trying to, if it's a ball, get lower than whatever number the, the pitcher rolled. Or if it's a strike, they're trying to get higher. Or if it's the corner, they're trying to match it uh, exactly. So they end up making contact with the ball. And when contact happens, then it's like this race. And each of the each of the pitcher and the batter are trying to roll their die and trying to get a five or a six on their die first. Whichever one gets it first, then they end up either making it to the base or they're out. And so it's this whole – it's all done via dice, but it feels like an actual baseball game because you have each of these batters has their own unique abilities on there, those 
the dice do different things depending on if you have that those matches on the pitching you have your own little special ability your own trait that is kind of changes things up you have it if you matched both of those things with the pitcher like you completely guess exactly how he's going to pitch the ball you have this the batter has a special ability that they can trigger that is nice and powerful and it's different for each one of the batters and then or maybe they missed completely and the pitcher completely fooled them with their pitch now they have a special ability like their their signature pitch that they can throw that will really make it hard for the batter to actually hit or maybe they'll strike or or something but it's just a really engaging way to, to do baseball. And I own the physical card game version of this. And it, the, the port is phenomenal. It is exactly perfectly mimics the, the, the physical game. And it's, it's so nice to have like you, there is a single player version with the physical game, but to have this ability to play against AI players or online players and have play the real two player version of the game. It just works so well and it fits so perfectly on the iPhone. And I think I've now at this point, maybe even played this more than I played the physical game. And so you get to pick which, if you're going to be the pitcher or the batter. Yes. So you get to decide which one and you actually get to choose. So if you're the, batter you can choose between 12 different uh 12 different players you can choose field your team with six different players and then you have this one other support player you can add to your team which he does special things so one of them allows you to like uh complain and kick dirt on the on the on the plate to try to hide if they say your batter got out, you can try to kick dirt on the plate and then you roll a die. And depending on the, the role of that, they maybe got maybe overturned the call or not, or that support player gets thrown out. And then on the pitching side, you have a choice of four different pitchers and then you can feel two of them. So at any point you can relieve your pitcher. So every time you throw one of those special or either fully your special pitch or half of your special pitch, then you kind of move these little counters down and they're called fatigue counters. So you constantly have to, you can't always be throwing that special pitch because otherwise you're going to run out of the ability to throw it. And then the other player is going to know exactly what pitch you're throwing because you can't, you can only throw what you have the ability to use. So like if you move those fatigue counters all the way down, then you can no longer throw high or throw away. So you'll constantly be throwing a low inside pitch because there's nothing else you can really choose from. So you constantly have to monitor the fatigue of your pitchers and between play between batters, you can kind of relieve some of that fatigue, but the only way to fully relieve it is to then pull in your, your next pitcher. So you kind of have to time when you want to switch pitchers, but you do have the choice of playing either side when you play against AI, or you can play um, an online match, either ranked or unranked. And one player is the pitcher, one player's the, the batter in, in those matches as well. Sounds good. I, I love the idea of combining dice cards and then a sport. You know, it's a different setting than they usually have. Yeah, and I mean, it. Do, and the amazing part is how nice of a job it really does mimicking baseball, just with that whole fatigue method and just the way the different batters have their special abilities and 
and how you're trying to kind of guess how the pitch is going to come at you. And if you do do a job, then you get these benefits from doing that. It's more likely you're going to have a good hit. So uh, it does a really nice job. And uh, like I said, it, it does a fantastic job of mimicking the the physical version. I'm hoping that this is basically the base game of the physical version. I'm hoping they add additional IAP that lets you get the other players that are in expansion packs for the physical version as well to add even more variety. But even without those, there's enough variety that you can mix up your team. You can choose a random layout for your team or you can purposefully plan the lineup of how you want to take advantage of each of those different players, their abilities to maybe kind of stack the bases and hopefully get a home run. So it's bottom of the ninth, and that's iPhone only. The tablet version isn't implemented yet. I think it's going to become a universal app, and it's uh, $4.99. And then to round out the week is Data Wing, which is an interesting game where, on the surface, it looks like a racing game, but it actually turns out it's more of like a single-player challenge where your goal is a race against the clock. You control this little triangle, and essentially... You play inside a computer system and you're sending data by going through this track and reaching the finish line. So you have to go through these tracks as efficiently as possible. And to do so, you want to get a boost by riding the rails, riding the edge of the track, the curves, as close as you possibly can, as that will give you a boost and it will help propel you through the courses and beat that target time that you'll need to. And as you go along, you might have a level where you need to beat other times of different triangle ships. Another level you might have gravity is in play at a factor of three, so you're being pulled down as you're trying to race through the course. And you'll have various kinds of ideas as the tracks become more complex and you're racing against the clock. Yeah, it's it kind of mixes a... a racing game with kind of a puzzly aspect because you have to figure out how to get around this track. It's not necessarily going to be just improving your skills and racing around the track. There might be a way that you have to shortcut your way through the track and find that optimal path in order to beat the time or beat the other the other arrows that are in this race against you, depending on what your your goal of that particular level happens to be. It's it's an interesting mix of of genres. Yeah, they've done a really good job where it's not easy to control, but they give you the ability to control everything that's happening. So you just have kind of left and right, but it's not as easy because you're moving on a track that kind of scrolls on a different plane that you would be used to. So you kind of takes a while to get used to being able to ride on those curves and really get that full boost that you can. Because if you flip, you know, the left and right direction too quick, now all of a sudden you're just heading straight into the edge of the track rather than riding the side of it. So once you kind of figure out that balance, you get in a flow of going from level to level and then you have a specific kind of level completion point rather than just endlessly racing through a track or, you know, just trying to beat certain people. You have a specific end point, a specific goal, and those goals are going to vary as you go from level to level. Right. And the whole game is designed with its own like unique character and personality where it's like this. I don't It's almost hard to explain. It's almost feels like you're watching like on a tube television and 
it's like the, it's interacting with you like you're in this computer, but it's it's kind of like a weird graphical design to it. So it's kind of lines, neon lines, but then it also feels like like a CRT television kind of like this foggy ish overlay to everything. I, it's I don't know. It, does that would you explain it like that? that? I, I'm that not that's sure a pretty best... good description of it. Because <laughs> I guess but it's, it's really supposed to unique. mimic being inside the computer, like almost like a 1980s Tron idea. Right, right. And so it's a kind of a really unique aesthetic to the whole to the whole thing. And because that little computer guy that talks to you, I mean, it, it gives it so much personality and, and makes it like a, a really unique experience. Yep, and that's Data Wing. It's free, it's universal, and I think that's everything for episode 31. Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.